Oma. Good morning, Father. Thank you so much for our new day, Lord Jesus. Thank you that your mercy is new every morning. Thank you that your love endure forever, Father God. We worship you in this way, Father God. We come together to to lift it up your name on high, Father God, to worship you in the spirit and in truth, Father God. We lift it up uh, our brothers and sisters around the world, Father God, who are meeting uh, in the underground churches, Father God. I pray that you will strengthen them, Father God, during this day, Father God, that you protect them with your hand of protection, Father God, that you will speak to them, Father God, and that they will be encouraged by, by you, Father God. So we thank you. We thank you for the privilege that we have that we can meet in this way without, with the freedom that we have, Father God. So we worship you, God. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be lifted up, be lifted up, for your 
Father, we thank you, Lord, for that promise. God, that you are in the waiting. No matter what we're facing this day, God, or what we'll face ahead of us this week, God, we know that your word says that you will never leave us nor forsake us. That you are for us and not against us. That your love endures forever. So our hope is not in the temporalness of this life, I pray, God, but that I pray our hope would be in Christ and in Christ alone. That we could trust you, Father. That you know the plans that you have for us. Plans to prosper us and give us a future. A hope in a future. Thank you, Father, that you make every crooked path straight. Thank you, Father, that you are pleased to reveal yourself to us through your Son, Jesus, that we may be at peace with you, God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I pray for each one of us, God, that we would know this peace, that we would know the assurance of salvation that could only be found in Jesus. We will live lives set apart, lives that would honor you, God, in all that we say and do. Truly, God, we see the darkening of the hour, God. Oh, Lord, we're to burn bright. And I pray, God, that, that we would fan the flame, God, and that we would burn bright for you in this generation. That you would receive all glory and honor. So no matter what's ahead, I pray, God, that we would set our gaze upon you. We would trust in you. And that we would worship you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning to everyone. Psalm 34, verse 14. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work hard to maintain it. And I've been thinking, as I have been for since the beginning of the year about this verse, but this week... I was really meditating on this verse and I was thinking, God, if we lose sight of who you are, we will not choose to do good. If we lose sight of, of his awesomeness, of his holiness, the great I am, if we lose sight that he is God and God alone, we would not have a desire to do what is right. Oh, but may we lift up our eyes and look unto him this day and see him for who he is. For he's God, you all. The eternal Father. The everlasting, present helper, King of kings and Lord of lords. His desire is that none shall perish, but all would come to repentance. That all would come to, to know him, to serve him. He is pleased to reveal himself to you through his son, Jesus. This is the good news. The good news is that we see our need for Him. That we are, before Christ, before coming to Him, that we are sinners in need of salvation. Such great salvation. In and of ourselves, we cannot bring it about. But through Christ, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, through receiving such a great gift, a free gift of salvation, we can live. 
Life in the abundance. No longer enslaved to sin or to death, but true freedom, you all. Freedom found in Christ. In Christ, we are born again. No longer a slave to sin, but now a slave to righteousness. Right living. To turn from evil and do what is good. To search for peace and work hard to maintain it. When everything in this world around you is screaming at you to steal your peace. We need to be able to do as the word of God says. After you've done all you know to do, then just stand. And stand in the assurance of who your God is. We recognize as believers this world is not our home. Our home is with him. We're just foreigners passing through. We recognize in this world, because Jesus himself says, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. And we have to learn, we have to grow, we have to mature to a place where we can be of good cheer. Even though we are facing troubles, even though we are facing the uncertainty of life, I said, God, may we all continue to seek after him with your very being, you all, with your whole being. Like this is a daily lifestyle. This is who you are now. You've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness and you've been ushered in to the kingdom of light, to the presence of God, to come in boldly. Again, not in and of yourselves, but because of Christ and what he has done. That's why we can't add to what Christ has done. No, we just receive what he has done. And then it's lived out in and through our lives as we go forward. Day in and day out. Seeking more of him. Hungering more for him. Knowing truth. Allowing our eyes to be awakened to the times in which we're living. And God, how can you... How can we serve you and serve others? How can we uphold truth to, to, a, to a dying world, to a world who's so self-consumed, to a world that we know that in the last days the, the love of many is growing to grow cold. And yet that's the world in which we are called to go out and to love, to uphold truth, to share the good news of Jesus, to talk about his kingdom, to live as one who's been engrafted into his kingdom. To turn from evil and to do good. So I want to encourage you as you go throughout this week, as as situations and circumstances are being presented to you, how are you looking at them? Through your eyes or through his? You have a choice. You have a choice. Let us stop sowing to evil. Let us stop sowing the works of the flesh. Because the Bible is very clear, what you reap, you will sow. You keep sowing to the flesh, that's what you're going to reap. And the flesh only knows destruction. And yet the crazy thing is, it doesn't come quickly, the destruction. No, the first part of the flesh and doing the works of the flesh, it seems maybe what is right because we're comfortable with it in our old nature. The whole destruction is right around the corner. Destruction is right around the corner. And not just for you, 
but through, the, through also the lives that are around you. That's why we must pursue good. To exalt his name. God, I want to make the right choice. I want my choices to honor you. And God, if I make the wrong choice, be quick, Holy Spirit, to convict me. Bring me to that place of repentance. Like, oh God, I don't want to do that any longer. And that genuine repentance. Not just repentance because you got caught. No, that genuine, like, oh, that's not me anymore. Look, I see the ugliness. I don't need you to point out the ugliness. I should be able to see it. Like, ugh. Like, God, this isn't honoring you. I want to honor you. And we come with that humility. We come to that place of surrender to God. God moves on our behalf. That's the awesomeness of our God. And we need to declare his awesomeness. We need to exalt his name among the heathen. (laughs) We need to live lives that are honoring him so that those who are enslaved can see that there is hope. Not to beat them down. Not to hold them back. But they should see hope. Like there's something different about you. What is it? You have all this stuff going on in your life, but yet you, you, you seem to have something that I don't have. And that opens the door. Not to talk about your perfection. Not to talk about you. But to talk about him. To talk about him. He's God, you all. And as we open up today in Exodus chapter 12, we're reading um, verse 14, and then we're going to move into Exodus 13, and we'll stop at verse 16. But wow, oh, how I love the book of Exodus, because we are seeing our God move. Like, this is God, you all. This is his awesome power. He's revealing himself to his people, not just the people of, of this day, but the people of our day. Like these are actual events. These aren't just good little Bible stories. These are actual events. This is what God has planned and purpose. This is what God has, has, has purposed to reveal himself. Remember, not just to Pharaoh, not just to the Egyptians, but to his very own people. That they would know that he is God. And he is faithful to his word. And he is a mighty deliverer. Because you have to remember, they are enslaved, you all. They are oppressed. Life has not been good for them for 400 and some odd years. (laughs) They have experienced such misery. (laughs) But God. God has not forgotten them. God remembers his, remembers his promises. And God is moving now as we have seen. And all these different plagues. God's purpose is to bring his people out. So that they would what? Worship him. Worship is vital to your Christian life. And worship is just not songs and, and singing. Though that's a part of it. But worship is a lifestyle. Like everything. Remember the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your body, with all of your strength, with your whole being. And there's days when I'm lacking in that. And when I feel the conviction of that, I say, oh God, 
Refresh me. Re- restore that love for you. Let me not lose sight that I'm to love you with everything within me, with everything about me. My heart, my mind. Huh. Everything. If you seek Him, you will find Him. The Word of God says, if you seek Him with your whole heart. He's not trying to hide from us. No, He wants to reveal Himself to you. He doesn't want us to remain ignorant or immature. No, He longs for us to grow because there's work to be done. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So no matter where we are at in our lives, we're to be about our Father's business. And how's your prayer life, you all? How's your devotional time? How's your personal worship and your corporate worship when we gather together? Are you setting your heart upon Him? Are you setting your gaze upon Him? You ought to be. And again, if you're not, don't beat yourself down. Don't waller in in condemnation and all that crazy stuff that we play. No, just get before Him and be honest. Like, God, I desire this. More intimacy with you. Help me, Holy Spirit, to grow in this area of my life. We do more, we do more damage to ourselves, if you would, when we just allow ourselves to remain condemned, shame, oh, I'm not measuring up, I'm a horrible Christian, I'm not this, I'm not that. And do you see what the basis of all of that talk is you? (laughs) It's me, myself, and I. It's how I see myself. It's, oh, that's how they see me. Mm -hmm. And we get so focused on us. Our focus is not to be on us. So right away when you see that, you go, oh, that's the ploy of the enemy. That's my flesh trying to keep me enslaved. No, 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 no. I know this round. I've been here before. So God, help me. You're my deliverer. I can trust in you. You are God and God alone. And I love the fact that God is showing up here as we open up Scripture today. He has brought forth His servant Moses, a foreshadowing of Christ, Jesus, the ultimate deliverer. He is the sacrificial lamb. It is by His blood that we have been forgiven, washed clean, afresh and anew. Everything we're reading here is a foreshadow of what God is ultimately going to do when Jesus shows up. So we pick up here, chapter 12, verse 14. This is the day to remember. Each year, from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is the all for all time. For seven days, the bread you eat must be made without yeast. On the first day of the festival, remove every trace of yeast from your homes. Anyone who eats bread made with yeast during the season, I'm sorry, during the seven days of the festival will be cut off from the community of Israel. And if you're taking notes or if you're circling or you're highlighting, whatever you're doing, I would encourage you to highlight that. Anyone who eats, I'm sorry, 
anyone who eats bread made with yeast during the seven days of the festival will be cut off from the community of Israel. Like last week, kind of the same theme we're seeing here. God's not playing. I know we like to make him out to be one who plays, who's easy to manipulate, to have him move on our behalf. Do for us, God, do for us, God. No, no, this is not the God that we meet in Scripture. This is not the revelation of God that we receive through Jesus Christ. Here, and even in the New Testament, people who are not walking in obedience with Christ, same with here, the people who were not walking in obedience to what God has pronounced, they were cut off. They were cut off. Listen to what it says there. Will be cut off from the community of Israel. They would be put out. And these, this, during this time, these were strong words. Because to be put out of the community, you were left to be devoured by the enemy. There was no protection. There was nothing for you except to be devoured. Obedience, you all. It's vital to the Christian life. It's not a forced obedience. No, you just willingly surrender your life. You say, yes, God. Help me, Holy Spirit, to live out as you've called me to. In and of myself, I can, but you can. I can trust the fact, God, that you have called me. And you loved me, yet though I was a complete rebellion towards you. You're not asking me to be perfect, but you've claimed me as your own, and you're calling me to maturing and growing and moving up and onward according to your standards, not man's. God was laying out these terms, and he was not playing. Anyone who would not follow it will be put out of the community. And then he goes on here. On the first day of the festival, festival, and again on the seventh day, all the people must observe an official day for holy assembly. No work of any kind may be done on these days except in the preparation of food. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread, for it will remind you, look at this, that I brought you your forces out of the land of Egypt this very day. Why are we celebrating this, God? And God lets his people know it is a reminder that I have brought you out. This festival will be a permanent law for you. Celebrate this day from generations to generation. The bread you eat must be made without yeast from the evening of the 14th day of the first month until the evening of the 21st day of that month. During those seven days, there must be no trace of yeast in your homes. Anyone who eats anything made with yeast during this week will be cut off from the community of Israel. We see it again. God's not playing. And do you, do you see also where he's saying from generations to generation? And we talked about it last week, how important it is that we are training up our children and the ways of God. Sharing with them 
of God's goodness, of God's faithfulness. Allowing them to see God at work within us. Allowing them to see the transforming power of God. To talk about his his deliverance. To talk about his provision. To allow them to see a change within us. No, I once was this way. This is the way I'm going now. Allowing them to, to know that your hope is in God. And this is what God has done for us. There's so many times I've seen people come in and out. And they will talk about how good God is and what God has done and how God has moved. And yet then we're right back out. And think about how that impacts the youth around us to their vision of who God is then. No, we can't make a mockery of God, you all. We can't. Like if he has revealed himself to us, If we know the truth and we've accepted it, God have mercy that we don't turn away from him and turn back to ourselves and remain there. (laughs) And remain there. Again, your life is not going to be perfect. But we've got to stop making excuses for the sin that so easily entangles us. Like, oh, well, it's just me. Oh, well, this. Oh, well, that. No. Like the Bible says to throw it off. To stop going that way. To honor God. And we must train up our children in this understanding. We must tell our children of his deeds. Not just in our time, but in all time. That we would see him magnified. Lifted up. And that we would worship him. Then it goes on. These regulations apply both to the foreigners living among you and to the native-born Israelites. And this is important because there were foreigners that came into to the, to, to the nation of Israel to worship the God of Israel. And this is a foreshadowing, too, of the Scripture where it says all nations. Like, he's come for everyone. So it's not for a certain group. Now, he set aside the people of Israel to bring about his purpose. But ultimately, his plan was for everyone. And so even here, we see that there are foreigners that have to, and look what the foreigners have to do. They have to line up and follow exactly what God has laid out. And so it is with the church today. The standard in which the church holds up is the standard in which God has set, not man. And if someone is calling themselves a Christian, if someone wants to come into the Christian community, then they are to live like a Christian. This thing that's going on in our generation today where anyone and everyone can come and be a part and claim Christ and not be held accountable to their sin is an error. No, God's people, the bride of Christ, were set apart. And all of us sitting in this room were once foreigners. But now we've been, if you're in Christ, you've been given the right to call him Abba. You've been engrafted into his family, and that's how we ought to be living. So as it was then, so it is now. And I know people like to twist scripture and make him out to be something that he's not. But the reality is, is he's God, just as he was then, as he is now, and as he will be. 
So even here we see that people who have been engrafted into the, the, the Israelites, into Israel, these foreigners, they were to live as unto God. During those days, in verse 20, you must not eat anything made with yeast. Wherever you live, eat only bread made without yeast. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel together and said to them, Go pick out a lamb or a young goat for each of your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Drain the blood into a basin. Then tip a bundle of hyssop branches and dip into the blood. Brush the hyssop across the top and sides of the door frames of your houses, and no one may go out through the door until morning. For the Lord will pass through the land to strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe, the Lord will pass over your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter into your house and strike you down. Amen. Our God. Amen. He's not playing. He's God, you all. Remember we talked about it last week. You're either an object of his wrath by your own doing, or you're an object of his love by his doing. If you're a Christian, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're covered by his blood. Praise God. Amen. You should remind yourself that daily, throughout the day. I'm a child of God. I've been covered by his blood. I've been purchased. Bought. Remind yourself daily. Vet and I were talking yesterday. When we lose sight of our identity in Christ, when we lose sight of who he is and who we are called to be in him, then all we know is to go back and to live a life of despair and hopelessness. Oh, how we must remind ourselves daily, you all, whom we belong to and what he has done. He loves us. He's poured himself out for us. This is good news. Just as it was then, so it is now. Those who are marked by the blood of Christ will not experience the wrath of God. They would be ushered into his presence for eternity. Amen. They were given specific instructions. Mark your doors. Stay inside. The death angel's coming. Mm. And he was going to kill the firstborn of all the Egyptians. No matter how high of position or low of position, the firstborn were dying. Verse 24. Remember these instructions are a permanent law that you and your descendants must observe forever. Mm. When you enter the land the Lord has promised to give you, you will continue to observe the ceremony. Then your children will ask, what does this ceremony mean? And you will reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. For he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt. And though he, and though he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families. When Moses had finished speaking, all the people bowed down to the ground and worshipped. This beautiful picture of, of, of humility 
of surrender. And again, we see the generations being told, don't forget what God has done. Don't forget what God has done. Tell your children, tell your grandchildren. Remind them of who God is. Don't lose sight of who He is. And we see this. It's so encouraging when you read these scriptures. Keep this in place. Allow it to continue from generation to generation. And as Christians, we can recognize the Passover, but oh, we have a greater hope than these people did. Now we celebrate communion. And we do it to remember. We celebrate these holidays that are on our calendars. Easter and Christmas. And oh, how we should be taking the time to not get so entangled with the world's sense of celebration during those seasons, but we would recognize the meaning of why we celebrate them. The death and the resurrection of our Christ. The birth of the Messiah. And ultimately, that we will look forward to His return. Oh, that we would rejoice in this. That we would worship as they worshiped. That we we would be mindful. And think about the day that you came to Christ. Mm -hmm. The day that your eyes were peeled back and open to His love and His greatness. Do you remember the day that you bowed your knee? Because you ought to. Mm -hmm. Because you were set free. Amen. And that should be a day that is marked on your calendar. That should be a day that you remember, this is the day that I died. Mm. No longer I that will live, but Christ will live in and through me. And it should be a day of celebration. Mm. It should be a day that you remember His great deliverance. That your eyes were open, that your ears could hear. That all of a sudden things were becoming new and things were making sense. Like, oh, this is all coming together. That we're no longer blinded by the enemy. That we're no longer a slave to sin. But that we've been made free in Christ. Oh, it's a day to rejoice. It's a day to mark down. It's a day to remember. And if you don't remember... Well, then let today be your day. (laughs) Let today be the day that you say, this is the day. I will remember that I am a child of God. That my eyes have been opened to see and my ears to hear. And I will follow my King. Rejoice in it, you all. Rejoice in it. And let your children and your grandchildren rejoice in it. In it. I love the fact that my granddaughter calls me and likes to tell me the wrong that people are doing in the house. When she tells my daughter, I gotta call Paul Paul. Because <laughs> I want him to know what brother's doing. And I laugh about it. But I love the fact that she recognizes Paul Paul's going to pray. 
He's, she's not doing it, quote unquote, to get in trouble. But she's doing it because she knows Paul Paul prays. And mama shouldn't be talking that way. <laughs> and daddy and brother shouldn't be doing this. Paul Paul will pray. Oh, wow. How do others see you, you all? Rather it's your family, rather it's your children, rather it's your friends, your co-workers, people out there. What do they know about you? What do they recognize about you? Because they too should see a difference. They should see a difference. There's something different about you. You're connected to God. Can you pray for me? Can you encourage me? Going through a rough time right now. I don't know where else to look. I don't know who else to call. But you seem to always have some source of life in you. And what I keep telling you, all we have is Jesus to give them, you all. Like, this is how I once lived, but this is how I live now. I know I'm not perfect. But I know the one who is that I'll point you to. And the same that you're receiving is the same that you should be giving to others. The generations need to know. Because we're living in a generation now that when I hear that there's youth in America who has never heard the name of Jesus, it baffles my mind. How can that be when there's a church on every corner? How can that be when there's so many of us claiming to be Christians and we're not living like them? We ought to take a lesson from what we're reading and understand the urgency and the importance of sharing God and his greatness and of who he is with the generations that are coming up. So the people of Israel did just as the Lord had commanded through Moses and Aaron. And that night at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn sons in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn son of the prisoner in the dungeon. Even the firstborn of their livestock were killed. Pharaoh and all of his officials and all the people of Egypt woke up during the night and, and loud, I'm sorry, and during the night and loud willing was heard throughout the land of Egypt. There was not a single house where someone had not died. Could you only imagine the grief that was taking place. Oh, lest we forget. <laughs> Pharaoh had all the firstborn of the Israelites killed. Mm-hmm. And I was reading a commentary today. For years, that took place. It just wasn't just one night. For years. God doesn't play you all. The final straw. The death of the firstborn. These people are now struck with such grief and such pain. And I'm reminded too that if they would have only turned to God, if they would have only listened to God, and it's a lesson that we too can learn. 
we would spare ourselves much grief if we would just obey. If we would just obey. Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron during the night. Get out, he ordered. Leave my people and take the rest of the Israelites with you. Go and worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and be gone. Go, but bless me as you leave. Like, get out. Everything you've asked for, just go. But before you go, bless me. Even the wicked long to be blessed. But they don't long to change. Everyone's searching for a blessing to prosper, to be made whole. But not everyone is sincerely searching. All the Egyptians urged the people of Israel to get out of the land as quickly as possible, for they thought, we will all die. Now we have the whole entire nation. Get out. Go. The Israelites took their bread dough before yeast was added, they wrapped their kneeling kneading boards in their cloaks and carried them on their shoulders. And the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed. They asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles and silver and gold. The Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites. And they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. Wow. Listen, you all. This is an incredible battle that's taking place. And God is the ultimate warrior. Back in those days when a battle would, would occur and the battle was over and there was victory, the victors stripped the wealth from the ones that they just defeated. This is an incredible picture, y'all. I hope you're not missing it. This is God and God alone. He's the warrior here. He's the one that is moving and bringing about and raising up an amazing group of people. Amen. <laughs> that night, the people of Israel left Ramses and started to Sukkot. There were about 600,000 men, plus all the women and children. Wow. <laughs> a rabble of non-Israelites non went with them, along with great flocks and herds and livestock. For bread, they baked flat cakes from the dough without yeast they had brought from Egypt. It was made without yeast because the people were driven out of Egypt in such a hurry that they had no time to prepare the bread or the food. The people of Israel had lived in Egypt for 430 years. In fact, it was on the last day of the 430th year that all the Lord's forces left the land. On this night, the Lord kept his promise to bring his people out of the land of Egypt. So this night belongs to him, and it must be commemorated every year by all the Israelites from generation to generation. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, These are the instructions for the festival of Passover. No outsiders are allowed to eat the Passover meal, but any slave who has been purchased may eat it if he has been circumcised. Temporary residents and hired servants may not eat it. 
Each Passover lamb must be eaten in one house. Do not carry any of its meat outside and do not break any of its bones. The whole community of Israel must celebrate this Passover festival. If there are foreigners living among you who want to celebrate the Lord's Passover, let all their males be circumcised. Only then may they celebrate the Passover with you like any native-born Israelite. But no uncircumcised male may even may ever eat the Passover meal. This instruction applies to everyone, whether they are native-born Israelite or a foreigner living among you. So all the people of Israel followed all the Lord's commands to Moses and Aaron. On that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt like an army. Amen. Praise God. God, you all has moved and the people are obeying they're obeying then the Lord said to Moses chapter 13 we're going through verse 16 dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites the first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me so Moses said to the people this is the day to remember forever the day you left Egypt, the place of your slavery. And that's another encouragement that I would encourage you to highlight or to underline. Kind of like I was saying earlier, do you remember the day? <laughs> remember the day you were set free? No longer a slave to the old ways, but you've been brought out, you've been delivered. The day you left Egypt, the place of your slavery... Today the Lord has brought you out by the power of his mighty hand. Remember, eat no food containing yeast. On this day in the early spring in the month of Abed, you have been set free. You must celebrate this event in this month each year after the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Jebusites. He swore to your ancestors that he would give you this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. For seven days the bread you must eat be made without yeast. Then on the seventh day, celebrate a feast to the Lord. Eat bread without yeast during those seven days. In fact, there must be no yeast bread or any yeast at all found within the borders of your land during this time. Again, this picture, this, this beautiful understanding of worship and how it's to be done. On the seventh day, you must explain to your children. Here we go. We see it again. And I love the fact that as they're explaining to the children, they're not just talking about this event, but all the way back here when God promised this land to his people. Now let's look at it in our day. Look at Israel, you all. Look how they're treated. But yet, look how they're protected. They're surrounded by everyone who hates them and wants them wiped off the face of the earth. But God is still honoring his word to this land. Oh, let us not neglect in praying for Israel, you all their eyes would be open 
to know the Messiah. I encourage you all, you want to see biblical prophecy, you want to see the truth of God's word relevant in our time, not just in our lives and in the church, but look at Israel. God is faithful, you all, to what he has purposed and what he has established. So he's reminding them, Moses is reminding them, celebrate and remember. (coughs) Celebrate and remember. Celebrate and remember (coughs) all that God has done. On the seventh day, verse 8, you must explain to your children, I'm celebrating what the Lord did for me when I left Egypt. This annual festival will be a visible sign to you like a mark branded on your hand or forehead that will remind you always to recite this teaching of the Lord. With a strong hand, the Lord rescued you from Egypt. Now to be said of your day of salvation. That will remind you always to recite this. With a strong hand, the Lord rescued me. From captivity, Amen. from being a slave to sin. Oh, he has set me free. <coughs> so observe the decree of this festival at the appointed time each year. This is what you must do when the Lord fulfills the promise he swore to you and to your ancestors. When he gives you the land where the Canaanites now live, you must present all firstborn sons and firstborn male animals to the Lord, for they belong to him. A firstborn donkey may be brought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or a young goat in its place. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. And in the future, your children will ask you, What does all this mean? Then you will tell them, with the power of his mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, the place of our slavery. Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, so the Lord killed all the the firstborn males throughout the land of Egypt, both people and animals. That is why I now sacrifice all the firstborn males to the Lord, except that the firstborn sons are always brought back. This ceremony will be a little like a mark branded on your hand and your forehead. It is a reminder that the power of the Lord's mighty hand brought us out of Egypt. Oh, God is not playing, you all. He is God. He is God. Let's go to Matthew chapter 20. <clears throat> Oh, that we would be excited about our king. <coughs> Matthew chapter 20, verse 29, and then we're going to go through chapter 21 through verse 22. We're picking up chapter 20, verse 29. As Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at them. But they only shouted louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. When Jesus heard them, he stopped and called, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, we want to see 
Jesus felt sorry for them and touched their eyes. Instantly, they could see. Then they followed him. Oh, don't miss this, you all. This is beautiful. These are blind men. They have heard of Jesus. They have heard of Jesus. And not only did they hear of Jesus, but they believed. What about us? We hear of Jesus, but do we believe? And the lesson I took away from here is you know when you believe because you ask. You ask. And no matter what, they weren't going to stop. They were blind. They weren't accepted among the regular folk. That's why the crowd yelled back at them, Shut up! Be quiet! Oh no. They could have got all self-absorbed. Poor me. Poor me and my blindness. Poor me and my lack. I'm not accepted. And they could have allowed all their insecurities or whatever to drive them back to their pit of self-despair and self-destruction. Oh, but they did not grow silent. In fact, they only shouted louder. Oh, you think you're going to overdo me by shutting me up? No, I'm just going to yell louder. And Jesus, you all, had compassion. He heard. He turned. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, we want to see. We want to see. No matter where you're at in your life today, I pray that be so for us. That we would say, I want to see. I shared with a young woman the other day at work. She was asking me how I was doing with going through everything I'm going through. And I said, even though I don't see what's ahead of me, I ask God for this day, even before I read the scripture. I ask God each day, I just want to see you in the midst of this. I don't want to get so caught up on the unknown or the what ifs. But let me just see you now. Let me be faithful now. Let me see, God. I want your heart. I want your hands and your feet. Because each of us, our days are numbered. Do you long to see today? Without knowing what tomorrow will bring, do you long to see today? I look at this young boy who just shot that one kid at school. He went in with a plan to shoot up the school, but he emptied the shotgun or whatever he he had. But I heard him interviewed. And he said, just put me away. Just put me away. I don't want to harm anyone. I don't know this kid. And surely I'm not condoning what he did. 
but apparently he had been abused and his life is just out of control and it's a mess. He couldn't see here in the now the goodness of God. And I pray that he comes to know Christ. I pray in the midst of this, God will be pleased to reveal himself to him. But what are you all facing? Who are you serving in the midst of what they may be facing? Who are you loving? How are you honoring God in the midst of this? When I hear of the bullying that takes place among our youth today, I go, oh God, I don't even know what it would be like to understand all that pressure day in and day out. I mean, there were bullies around in my day. But there's something different about this generation. And it's, and it's a deep level of hurt that's taking place in the one who's being bullied. And there's such a deep level of hurt in the one who's doing the bullying. And you have this group of generation of youth that's coming up. They have no identity. And the little they have, it's being squashed. I was reading an article the other day about the abuse that happens online. And the youth today who are being told, just kill yourself. No one loves you. And the amount of youth that are doing that today. And I go, God, where are the parents? Where, where's people in their lives that come alongside them and say, no, but you are loved. Where is Jesus being offered as hope? <clears throat> like these men were desperate to see. Are we desperate to see? Like I want to see Jesus. And I love how it ends here, this account. Their eyes were open and they followed him. They didn't go back. They didn't go run a month. They didn't go live their life as they want. No, they follow Jesus. They asked. They asked the one who could make the difference. We're asking the wrong people, you all. You better look to see who you're going to for counsel, for encouragement, to fill my space. Oh, we better be careful for who we're surrounding ourselves with. Because if they're not offering you life and life in the abundance in Christ, then all that they're offering you is death. And it may not be in that moment. Oh, but destruction's right around the corner. Careful who you're crying out to when you're hurting and you're lonely and you're insecure. Careful who you're surrounding yourself with. Oh, but for a moment it may look right. But in the end, it's nothing but destruction. Oh, that we would be like the blind men <laughs> crying out to Jesus. And when the enemy comes in yelling and screaming, just keep screaming louder to Jesus. When others press in against you and make fun of you and, and tell you to stop being so religious, no, you just keep crying out to Jesus. Because he is faithful. 
chapter 21, as Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. He said, As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say the Lord needs these, and he will immediately let you take them. Interesting. I never thought about this until I read this commentary this, this week studying this. First of all, they obeyed. They didn't question Jesus. Okay, you say I go. That's how our lives should be. You say I go. But notice that they had to start untying these donkeys to take them. They didn't ask for them at first. They were just told to go into the city. And as soon as you get there, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. Take them. He says here, if anyone asks what you are doing, tell them I need them. The Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. Such faith being displayed here. They went, they saw, they untied, and they knew what to say if anyone approached them. Provision was already made in their obedience, as it is with us. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt and sat on it. And he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him. And others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was the center of the procession, and the people around him were shouting, Praise God for the, son of, for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Wow. Again, we see God faithful to what he has purposed. <clears throat> Jesus met every prophecy about the Messiah. And I've encouraged you, if you've never done that study and you want to do that study, I have that study to give you. You want to go through all the Old Testament. You want to see all the prophecies about the Messiah. Jesus had to fill each one of them. And here we see even to this detail that he did. Beautiful. God is faithful to what God has said. This is the God in whom we serve. This is the God in whom we look to. If you're a Christian here today, this is the God in whom you have laid your life down and said, yes, Lord, I am your servant. I yield myself to you. The city's in an uproar. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers 
and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, The scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer. But you have turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The leading priests and teachers of the religious law saw these wonderful miracles taking, I'm sorry, these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. But the leaders were indignant. They asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied. Haven't you read the scriptures? For they say you have taught children and infants to give you praise. Then he returned to Bethany where he stayed overnight. Jesus. We see him here cleaning the temple. Man always makes a mess of what God has tried to establish or what God has established, I should say. Man always makes a mess of it. We become religious. We become haughty and prideful. We turn it into something it ought not to be. And this was happening then, and these religious leaders, they wanted all the focus on them. They were were leading God's people astray. They knew God, but they did not know God. And Jesus was dealing with them. And I love it when he turns to them and says, haven't you read the scriptures? What an insult to them. (laughs) Because these were people who were highly educated in scriptures. (laughs) And yet Jesus is revealing their ignorance. As some people today, they can sit and they can hear scripture over and over and over. And they can even talk about it over and over and over. But it has not impacted their life. They're not changed. They're just religious. They hold a form of religion and deny the power of God. And those are the people that we are warned to stay away from. We're not called to stay away from the lost. We're called to go and to be a light among them. But we're not even to have a meal with someone who says they are a Christian and they have an anger problem. Think of that the next time you sit down with a Christian. We are called that if someone holds a form of religion but denies the power of God, have nothing to do with them. We must be careful, you all. Especially in our generation. Where there's such a lukewarm, watered-down gospel. And everyone and anyone. (laughs) Come, come. Eat, feast. We must be very careful. We must hold each other accountable. We must encourage each other. To stay on the right path. We must pray for and with each other. We must do life together. It's what the church is called to do. But we're not to tolerate sin. We're not just to continue just to uh, patty cake people or pat people on the head or have this weird whatever. No, the reality is this is life. And you give the enemy just a little foothold and he will develop a major stronghold. We must be diligent to remain clean and pure and not tainted by this world. 
We must have the reality that we are saved. That we are the people of God. That we're not looking to go backwards. No, we're moving forwards. Like, again, God's not playing. And I know we all like the kumbaya gospel. You know? We all like to make it easy for us and for everyone else. But we must be diligent about the kingdom of God, you all. The kingdom of God. And not everyone is in the kingdom of God. No matter how much they know scripture, no matter how much they do this, that, whatever. No. The reality is we must hold each other accountable. It's vital to our Christian community to the church and this generation and the generation to come. Hold each other accountable. Jesus dealt with what was going on in the temple in his time. He cleared it out. He says, enough. This is not what it's to be. And in the midst of that, the religious people were angry. The religious people are the ones you really need to be concerned with. Oh, the lost is not going to like you. <laughs> but the religious people will devour you. Careful. Careful. In the morning, as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry. And he noticed a fig tree beside the road. He went over to see if there were any figs, but there were only leaves. Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered up. The disciples were amazed when they saw this and asked, how did the fig tree wither so quickly? Then Jesus told them, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and don't doubt, you could do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. You can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. An incredible lesson. This tree that was filled with leaves should have had fruit on it. And it didn't. It's a lesson for our own lives. Careful of becoming religious. Being filled with lots of leaves. Having a form, but having no fruit in your life. Careful. Careful. It's also it's a source of encouragement that those who would believe and ask will receive. And he's not talking about the secret, you all. This book that's out there that even Christians are being fooled to read. Think and it'll be. Careful not to be led astray. that you ask according to his will. When I taught on prayer years ago, something I encouraged us all in is pray according to the Father's heart. And if you're not in an intimate relationship with the Father, you don't know his heart, and your prayers are only soulish prayers, and in the end amount to nothing. But to pray in accordance and in agreement with the Father's heart. It will, and it shall be done. 
to pray in faith. We don't have to conjure up things. <laughs> we don't have to mix spells and potions. <laughs> we don't have to whip ourselves. We don't have to do all these weird stuff. No, we just have to believe. And by faith, God, this is what you said. I believe. God, this is what you said. I believe. I love the last song I played. He's in the waiting. He's in the waiting. Take courage. Be steadfast. Don't grow weary so easily. Don't get discouraged and oppressed so easily. And sometimes you've got to speak to yourself. Oh, my soul, why are you so downcast? Rejoice in the Lord. Remind yourself daily. Build yourself up daily in your faith by reminding yourself of who he is and what he has said. Cling to him and know that he is God. Go to Psalm 25, verse 16 through 22. Psalm 25, verse 16 through 22. Turn to me and have mercy, for I am alone and in deep distress. My problems go from bad to worse. Oh, save me from them all. Feel my pain and see my trouble. Forgive all my sins. See how many enemies I have and how viciously they hate me. Protect me. Rescue my life from them. Do not let me be disgraced, for in you I take refuge. May integrity and honesty protect me, for I put my hope in you. O oh God, ransom Israel from all its troubles. Have you been in this place? Are you in this place where it seems like you're just surrounded by enemies, by despair? Life is just not going right. It just seems to be going from bad to worse to worse, to worse, to worse. Oh, that we would be as the psalmist, that we would cry out to our God. Turn to me and have mercy, for I am alone in deep distress. Listen to these words. My problems go from bad to worse. Oh, save me from them all. Feel my pain and see my trouble and forgive all my sins. See how many enemies I have and how viciously they hate me. Protect me. I love this line. Rescue my life from them. Do not let me be disgraced, for in you I take refuge. And then verse 21. Listen to what he ends this with. May integrity and honesty protect me, for I put my hope in you. So no matter what I'm going through, no matter how I'm being surrounded, I don't want to lose what you've given me. I want to walk upright in a crooked world. I want to turn from evil and do good. This is what it's saying here. May integrity and honesty protect me. For I put my hope in you. 
doesn't matter. Your circumstances should not change the fact of who you belong to. It should only make the knowledge of God even deeper in your life. That you cling to Him even more. And that no matter what, God, may I be a person of integrity and honesty. Do you pray that way, you all? You all too. So many times we're so quick, God, fix this, fix this, fix this, fix this. And we get the wrong image of who God is. Yes, God wants to provide for his people. And yes, God wants to fix things for us. But your character is much more vital to him than your circumstances. Encouraging you and building you up as an individual to represent him is so much more important to God than your circumstances. He will allow us to endure what we need to endure to grow us and to mature us. And we want a quick fix. Oh, but hang on, you all. In the midst of it all, God, I don't want to lose who I am in Christ. I don't want to go back and, and, and do the things that I do. No, God, I want to trust in you. Keep me pure. Keep me honest. Keep me upright. That my life would honor you. Go to Proverbs. We're ending in chapter 6, verse 12 through 15. Remember, we've seen just through the first 11 verses so far, and now we're reading the 12 through 15. But Proverbs 6 as a whole describes three people. Let's not forget these three. The one who pledges to secure another's debt, the sluggers, the lazy people, and now we're reading today about the troublemaker. The last one is the worst, and the Lord detests him for it. All three of these character shortcomings lead to destruction. There's wisdom in the Word of God that we must apply in our lives. Again, going these ways Leading lives just out of ourselves will always lead to destruction. But listen to what it says here about the troublemaker. Verse 12 through 15. What are worthless and wicked people like? Did you hear that question? Proverbs 6, verse 12. What are worthless and wicked people like? They are constant liars. Let's just stop there for a second. Let that not be said of us. The majority of you I've counseled in here. majority of you have been around long enough where I've shared with you. The greatest deception is not that you're deceiving others and lying to others. It's that you're lying to yourself and you believe your own lies. You don't even live in a reality. You live in a false concept of what you think is right. And yet you're wicked. <laughs> if that's how you're living, you're wicked. Look what the Bible says. Hopefully you're not. Hopefully you've surrendered your life to Christ. and You're like, God, I don't want to lie. And when I lie, I want to feel the conviction. I love Norma when she's so transparent and honest. And hope you don't mind me sharing but that's something that throughout the years she has said to me, brother, like, pray for me. Because I don't want to lie. 
And I go, yes. Pray for all of us. We don't want to be liars. We don't want to manipulate. We don't want to just try to move things and shape things or make us look better because we have to add on to things. No, we, won't. we don't want to be marked by being wicked. And not just wicked, worthless, of no value. People who don't see their worth in Christ, people who aren't secure, are liars. Because when you wrestle with insecurity, the only hope you have is lying, making things out to be something that they're not. And so you've placed your worth and your security into something that's not even real. Do we hear this? Oh God, that we would awaken. They are constant liars. Signaling signaling their deceit with the wink of the eye. They nudge of the foot and or the wiggle of fingers. Their perverted hearts plot evil and they constantly, look at this, stir up trouble. But they will be destroyed suddenly. Broken in an instant, beyond all hope of healing. Wow, yeah. Troublemakers. Careful. Around those who are constantly stirring up strife and division. Careful. They can say they're a Christian all day long to the blue in their face. But if the words that come out of their mouth are nothing but divisive, Wicked lies. Careful. They will be broken beyond all hope of healing. The Lord detests troublemakers. Let that not be marked of us. Because the people of God were to be what? Peacemakers. We're to be peacemakers. We don't go out sowing strife and division, tearing apart unity, (laughs) running amok with our mouths and saying whatever we want. Oh, did you know, Michelle, what Carrie did? (laughs) Talking, backbiting, gossiping. Troublemakers. Got nothing good going on in their lives. So they want nothing more than to bring others to their pit. Oh, but get up from the pit, you all. Don't be a troublemaker. Turn to Jesus. If that's something that you're wrestling with, if that's something that you still have an issue with, you need to get before Christ. You need to mind your manners. Mind your words. Mind your thoughts. Like either you're part of building or you're part of destroying. Choose this day whom you will serve. Turn from evil and do good. Seek for peace and work hard to maintain it. Amen? <coughs> Let me close this with this last song and then I'll close this in prayer.
Jesus' love for his bride.